Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by Chess.com and Faraday Brand Clothes. Please support our sponsors and check out today's show notes for special offers from Chess.com and Faraday Brand Clothes. Our guest today, Dennis Fleming, age 62, is a social work consultant based in Sacramento, California. Diagnosed with HIV in the early 1990s, Dennis has struggled to find an effective treatment regimen for decades. Until Dennis learned about Recovia, an HIV therapy for heavily treatment-experienced adults living with HIV. Following his initial diagnosis with HIV, treatments were not yet available, and Dennis had a hard time coping with his status. Nearly five years later, he began treatment with an antiviral therapy, but with limited success. The experience led him to stop treatment for a year, resulting in a severe case of toxoplasmosis. After recovering from this life-threatening experience, Dennis Fleming became determined to prioritize his health. Older HIV-infected gay men may experience multiple forms of stigma related to sexual orientation, HIV, and ageism, all of which can negatively impact their quality of life. We're going to be talking about what Dennis Fleming has witnessed in 30 years with aging and HIV, his unique perspective on how HIV has changed during the last four decades, and Dennis Fleming will share what this milestone means for long-term survivors, including how treatments have evolved, fewer pills, prevention, hope and being part of society again. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dennis Fleming. Dennis Fleming, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Good to talk to you again. I hope you and your family and your loved ones are all well. We, of course, have been on the show before, a real favorite of our audience, but uh, we're wishing you the best, Dennis. All, everything good for you throughout the uh, pandemic and uh, the breakthrough and uh, your world? Yes. Yeah, things um, have, are pretty good. Can't complain. Good. Well, that's good to hear. Thank you for that. Well, let's talk a little bit about aging and HIV. Certainly, you've witnessed so much in these 30 years. There have been so many changes. You've been living with HIV for over 30 years. Give us your unique perspective on how HIV has changed during the last four decades and maybe give us a sense as the what the milestones have have actually meant uh, during that time for for long term survivors like you. Sure. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind um, when I think about changes, it's it's the changes in care, uh, treatment, and prevention of HIV. We know so much more now than we did 30, 40 years ago. Um, and that has led to, you know, better treatments, um, easier to take, less pills. Um, we also, uh, there's a, a lot, I mean, it just seems like HIV isn't as scary as it was 30, 40 years ago. Um, I know some of that probably has to deal with me, you know, getting used to living with the disease, but I mean, it just doesn't seem to be as scary socially. Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of stigma still out there. Um, and um, prevention has changed as well. 30, 40 years ago, your options were don't have sex or wear a condom if you do for prevention. And now um, we know that there's uh, HIV medications that people take uh, to treat HIV um, are also helpful in um, transmission of HIV from one person to the other. 
So we know that people with HIV, if they're on meds, their viral load is undetectable. Um, they cannot pass HIV on uh, to other people sexually. And also if people um, who are HIV negative take certain HIV meds and they take them as prescribed, um, they have a very high chance of not acquiring HIV from someone who's positive. Um, I think in all these these changes really um, ha- have been great for long-term survivors like myself because, you know, it gives us some hope and it has helped us really kind of uh, fit into society again and realize that, you know, if we do, you know, what we're supposed to and eat well and exercise and, you know, uh, take our meds, um, that, you know, there should be nothing standing in our way. We don't really have to uh, think about getting really sick or, or dying or something like that. If I, I like to think that, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when you were diagnosed, you kind of planned your life for the next few years until you got really sick and died. And now uh, people like me, like long-term survivors, we're actually planning retirement, which is something I never dreamed of 30, 30 years ago. I can just hear the hope in your voice, it, and it's all very um, powerful and positive, and, and we're glad that you're part of society, Dennis Fleming. You mentioned the changes in treatments and prevention, fewer pills. Maybe give us a little more detail about how those treatments have, have evolved, really. Right. So 30, 30 years ago, um, there wasn't much uh, in the treatment uh, market for HIV. And what little was there was very hard to take, had a lot of side effects and nasty side effects. The the dosing requirements were complicated. Sometimes, you know, you had to take pills every four hours, which meant you had to wake up, but they had to be taken with food. So you had to make sure you ate something with them. And uh, so that, that's what it was like 30 years ago. And then as time evolved, treatments got better um, maybe you don't only have to take them twice a day. And then uh, drug companies started working together to put more than one medication in a pill. And now there are so many uh, medications on the market that are like four, four different uh, medications in one pill. You only have to take it once a day. Um, and I just saw advertisements starting on the TV last week of a new treatment that's an injection. And you only go into your doctor's office once a month to get these injections. And I don't know how many medications are in them, but maybe, I'm sure there's more than one. Um, and that's, that's amazing as well. So, you know, I think the treatments have really evolved to the place where they're so much easier to take, um, have less side effects. And the other thing I think is great, too, is insurance companies, um, both public and private, um, are, seem to be more willing to pay for treatments, um, whatever the treatment is. So that's made life easier for a lot of people as well. We've talked a little bit about this before, but my own son is a gay man. He's been living here with us uh, through the pandemic, and I've watched closely as he's been here with us that his relationships with friends have changed greatly. And you referred to the stigma being um, perhaps softened uh, attitudes, perhaps um, become a, a bit more inclusive over the last 30 years. What are your friendships and family life um, it, like these days? I'm saying, you know, I have a, a very strong support system of both friends, 
some of those friends are coworkers as well, and um, and then my family as well. Um, HIV doesn't come up that much anymore in in discussions. Everybody knows. Um, they see that I've been living, I've been working full time, I've been doing, you know, my activities that I like to do outside of work. Um, with COVID, though, you know, we haven't been able to see each other as much. Um, we're st- starting to break down a little bit. Um, and, you know, family back uh, over Labor Day, my husband and I traveled back to the Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania area for about eight days to see family. We all got together. I have five brothers, so. We were all there, all six of us, some spouses, some significant others, some other cousins showed up, et cetera. But it was a really, really, uh, really good time. So I, I have that support support system that I know is there if I need it. Good. Yeah. Well, the next time you're out in the Maryland, Virginia area, we we would love to see you here too, Dennis Fulming. So we live just outside of D.C. in the Virginia area, and you're always welcome, sir. <laughs> now that now that COVID, we were in an you were in Annapolis? Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful part of, of the world. And and now that COVID has lifted in, in, in many ways, we're we're looking for visitors and friends. And so please take us <laughs> up on that. <laughs> so what was it like for you um in, in, in lockdown during COVID and uh living with HIV and the regimen and, and your current treatments? How did all of that go? It went it went better than I would have expected if you would have told me in March 2020, this is going to happen and this is what your life is going to be like. I, I, I would have maybe freaked out a little bit, but um, it was good. You know, I, I, you know, the fact that I didn't want to catch COVID kept me in, you know, we, I worked from home. Um, uh, they gave us all the equipment we need to successfully work from home. We've been doing that since. Um, and as far as HIV, because my uh, HIV regimen hadn't changed at all in many, many years. And um, I'm fortunate that I have really good health insurance that includes um, a three-month delivery of my meds um, in the middle. So I didn't have to go out to the pharmacy every month uh, to get those. Um, I said it was a little frustrating when you think, well, oh, I can't go here and I can't do this and this has been canceled and nobody's doing this. And you, you would go out in the street to go to the supermarket or get in the car to, to go to the store and you'd see that nobody was around at all. It was, um, it was just, it was just kind of surreal almost. Um, but I, you know, I learned to adapt. Um, and, um, but I'm ready for that to all be lifted mm-hmm. as well. Yes, Absolutely. Well, so talk to us a little bit about your your kind of life post-lockdown. I think many in our audience might have this visual of, of HIV as being this debilitating, perhaps a, a frailty that, that exists. What do you enjoy doing? Is there anything that you don't feel like you, you can do out there? Or are you just back at life 100% despite, um, you know, having this, uh, this long-term uh, HIV survival that you've got? Um, I, I think um, I'd say that I haven't jumped out 100%. We're taking it slow, um, but we are starting to do things that we enjoy. Like I mentioned, you know, we we traveled back east um, for eight days to visit family. And we did a lot of different things. Um, and I, I drove up, you know, drove to Pennsylvania to visit some family. I visited some family over in Virginia. Um, so that was that was really funny. It was a little bit scary. Like, I wonder what's going to happen. But, you know, 
everything worked out really, really fine. That was great. Um, my last week, my husband and I went to our first uh, San Francisco Giants game in hey, person. Go Giants! Yeah, right. We used to go to like uh, in the Sacramento. Mm, I live about you know an hour and a half, two hours from San Francisco, but they. Uh, we so we hadn't gone to any games, and we used to go to about four or five a year. So we went to our first one uh, last week. It was great. The Giants won. Of course, they're doing really, really well this year. Really well. Yep, really well. Something we always enjoy doing. So we're starting to, you know, to go back again. And then the other thing that I really like to do is, you know, um, I was a former dancer. So I, I, I love going to dance performances. And we're starting to buy tickets for, for, for live performances that are coming up uh, early next year, like in March and April. So, like I said, we're slowly starting to do a lot of the things that we uh, like to do that we couldn't before. Well, that's all good to hear. Yeah, you and I are talking today. The Cards and the Dodgers will be playing this evening in a one-game uh, one kind of wild card uh, playoff. The winner will face the Giants. Yeah. My money is on the Giants all the way, Dennis Fleming. So we got to we got to root we got to root big time for them. Well, the Dodgers are uh, probably the main nemesis of the Giants. <laughs> Hi, it's Paul. I mentioned our sponsor today, Faraday Brand Clothes, and let me tell you a bit about them by starting with I'm so happy it's fall. I love the cool weather, which is just a wonderful relief after the steamy, humid East Coast summer. <laughs> Gretchen and I are really enjoying the season after a super busy last few months. We are getting outside. We're seeing the fall colors. We're going to go to a couple outdoor events, and we are getting comfy, cozy. We even went apple picking a few weekends ago. We're just headed south very soon for a long weekend to see Jackson Brown in concert. As I say, we're just really enjoying the season, packing a real vacation bag and seeing some sights. And that's where Faraday brand clothes come in. Faraday makes the perfect clothes for getting comfy, traveling, and hanging out. When you want the best quality clothes, you call in the troops. <laughs> you know when you're searching for that ideal flannel shirt, the one that feels like you've had it for years. It's soft, it's warm, with the perfect plaid that fits so well and feels almost too good to be vintage, but it looks like it still could be. Well, that's Faraday. And they're so confident in the quality of their stuff they have a lifetime guarantee. Yep, a lifetime guarantee. It's amazing. They will replace or fix your clothes forever, no matter what. And to top it off, Faraday is giving all our Not Old Better Show listeners 20% off. That's 20% off. So stock up on all your fall and winter clothes now. Head to FaradayBrand.com and enter the promo code NOTHOLDBETTER at checkout. You can get that right. NOTHOLDBETTER at checkout to snag 20% off all your gear. That's Faraday, F-A-H-E-R-T-Y, Brand.com. Enter the promo code NOTHOLDBETTER for 20% off. All of this is going to be in our show notes today, but 20% off your Faraday purchase. Not old, better. Thanks, everybody. Hey, it's Paul, and I've got a quick mention from our sponsor today, chess.com. You know, many of us 
in our Not Old Better Show audience love games, and we've talked recently about playing video games and the value to our brains. According to Science Times, we'll put links to where you can find this information on our website. Again, according to Science Times, playing chess improves memory, enhances IQ, promotes creativity, and helps in recovery of a stroke or disability. This is all good stuff, but... We play to have fun, too. I play chess.com long distance with my son, Avery, who's very good. And we have a blast, at least Avery does, as he literally vanquishes me each time we play. But, you know, everyone is playing chess these days, especially on chess.com, whose number of players has grown five times since 2020. It's a fantastic game, and it's so great that so many people are playing it now. You can play for free and it is easy to play. And unlike other games that change all the time where you have to pay to win and defeat levels to progress, chess is simple to learn and not distracting. Improving your chess game is easy on chess.com. There are excellent instructional videos on chess.com and after you play a game, you can have the computer analyze your mistakes and recommend quick lessons to strengthen your skills. This is just this is just awesome. I personally have a diamond membership which gets me unlimited access to all of chess.com and its features, unlimited puzzles, unlimited lessons, unlimited game analysis and more and I, and I love it. Chess is becoming so popular that the Netflix show The Queen's Gambit recently won 11 Emmy Awards, including the top award for limited series. And The Queen's Gambit is a favorite of ours here in our home. I play chess for my phone as well as my desktop computer and my tablet on chess.com. If you're interested, you can find me there, just like Avery, plus lots of your friends and family and grandkids who are already playing on chess.com. Ready to improve your chess game? Head over to chess.com slash not old today to start playing. That's chess.com slash not old to start playing with your friends, family, grandkids, everyone. And start learning chess from the pros today. Thanks, everybody. Welcome back to our interview with Dennis Fleming. We're talking about aging and HIV and Dennis Fleming, one of the HIV therapies that, that you certainly have some familiarity with, and I want, I want to talk about this, it, it actually is, is for heavily treatment-experienced adults uh, that have been living with HIV. Many in our audience uh, of the Not All Better show are, are over the age of 60. They might be um, very uh, much in need of some of this information. You're also an ambassador for this particular HIV therapy. It's called Recobia. And I wondered if you'd talk a little bit about your experience with that uh, for our audience, maybe give a, a bit of advice and uh, just share a bit of perspective. Yeah. So I got into a clinical trial for Recobia oh, years and years and years ago. Um, and it re- that Recobia, but in conjunction with my other um, HIV medications I was taking, um, really worked well for me. And I've been on that uh, regimen ever since. Um, So when I heard about um, the patient ambassador program, I thought, well, you know, I want to share my experience with others. Now, I'm keenly aware that not everybody would would have had the same results as I did. Um, And it may, may not have been as successful for some people as for me, but, you know, at least it was for me. And I know there's others out there. So I thought, you know, I, I need to help get the word out that there is, uh, there are new treatments out there for heavily treatment experience. And these are people like me that have had a, usually most of them have had HIV for decades. 
and has um, failed several HIV regimens. Um, and I, I just know how much hope it gave me when I found out that this new medication was out there. And I thought, you know, you know hope is something everybody needs and it can be a very powerful thing. So I thought, you know, maybe I can help give people hope too that are in better heavily treatment experience like myself and think that there might not be anything else out there for them and let them know what my experience was. So um, I got into this patient patient ambassador program and um, we, sometimes I talk by myself like today, but other times, you know, I've talked with doctors um, and other people. Um, we did a podcast there's a website for Recobi and there's a little video videos on there of people that have um, had success with Recobia and just getting the word out and giving um, people some hope. And the other reason I wanted to do it is that, you know, I, I mentioned before that there's, even though the stigma around this disease may have declined a little bit, it hasn't declined as much as it needs to. And I think one of the, the ways that we can help reduce the stigma surrounding this disease is for people with a disease to speak up and show that, you know, we, you know, we could be your neighbor, we could be your family member, we could live down the street from you, um, and we are, are not all frail, and we're not all dying, and we're not all sick, and we're not, um, we can't transmit the disease to you by talking or hugging or shaking hands, whatever. So I, I've always jumped at the chance to to step out and, and kind of educate people a little bit as well. So the that being a patient ambassador really has been, um, I hope it's been good for people out there that can hear what I'm saying, but also it's been kind of therapeutic for me as well. Well, Dennis Fleming, we appreciate uh, your time, but we appreciate all that you're doing. And um, and yes, I, I'm glad to hear you refer to the, the stigma still being in place. I think, you know, some in our audience, um, you know, older HIV infected gay men may experience multiple forms of stigma that are related to to sexual orientation. There's a great deal of housing discrimination. I know you do a great deal of work uh, on a state level within California. We're talking to you today uh, while you're in California, of course, rooting on the on the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> as, as I am doing, but from Virginia. <laughs> but <laughs> but how how are things on the state level there in California? What what's uh, tell us maybe give us a status update on HIV and aging uh, in California. I know that you've participated in focus groups. I know you've got ongoing work on behalf of this subject. So maybe share with us what uh, what all of that's about. Sure. Well, I think. Um, not just in California, but in some other states as well. HIV and aging is the, the big mm-hmm, hot topic mm-hmm. now because so many people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like myself, you know, have been, who've been positive for years and years are now over the age of 50. I'm over, I'm over the age of 60, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we're living longer. And like I said, you know, uh, we weren't planning for this before. We didn't know if we were going to live or not. And now we are, which is great. Um, but there's a lot of issues. Um, there's a lot of things, both medical, clinical, and social, and emotional that um, you know go along with being HIV positive and over the age of 50 as well. Um, so, like I said, all around the nation, it's a hot topic. That you know, I, I live in California, so I can speak for that. That um, I heard a couple months ago, I think it was, that uh, the uh, state legislature here has awarded. Um, $5 million 
uh, to fund both clinical and non-clinical uh, programs for people living uh, with HIV over the age of 15. Um, I you know, was asked to participate in a focus group a few months ago as well. Um, I think they had a couple all around the state. Um, I participated in one for Northern California, and it was just for people living with HIV over the age of 50, and they just wanted to ask questions about, you know, what are your challenges? What are your treatments like? What are your issues? What things are working for you? What things aren't? And it was really uh, just to get a lot of information so people could, you know, start planning. So I think, and one of the things I think that came out of that is last month, or it might have been at the end of August, uh, there were two uh, two day conferences. One was for Southern California, and one was for Northern California on HIV and aging. And it was all virtual, um, but they kind of uh, tailored each of the ones to that specific part of the state. And anybody could anybody could participate in these conferences. So there were uh, people living with HIV over the age of fifty. There were people that worked with people. Um, living with HIV and social programs. There were also uh, doctor, clinical, the clinical side of it, doctors, pharmacists, nurses. And so a, anybody could really join in. The, it was very thorough. Um, they covered uh, a lot of topics, and I think um, they addressed some of the concerns that came through some, for some of these focus groups. And they, uh, you know, they made sure they had programs for. Uh, a rural, because there's a lot of people living with HIV, especially over the age of 50 in rural areas that may not be able to access all the great services that there are in urban areas. So they had sessions on that as well. So it really um, covered, covered a lot of ground. So I'm really, you know, like I said, this is a really hot topic now, and I'm glad that they um, are addressing these concerns. Yes, it is a hot topic. I, I too, am, am glad that these concerns are being addressed. I you know, you've been on the show before, and and I just just one final point to to mention. You give us hope, and and you certainly are seeing progress, right? I mean, this is this is changing for for all uh, all of us who are facing this in 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 our families and directly. But uh, but I think that's what you see, right? I think that goes perhaps without even right. saying. No, it does, and, and it, this is not to say everything's rosy and hunky dory mm-hmm. um, for everyone, mm-hmm. because when participating in those focus groups, I heard a lot of. Uh, people, both men and women, you know, are um, feel neglected. They feel shut in. They feel, um, you know, like they don't matter anymore or, you know, because of HIV, but also just aging in general. Um, they don't get out enough. They don't interact with people like they would like to, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of the issues um, for HIV and aging um, are not specific just to people living with HIV. I mean, a lot of people living with HIV still have the same issues that we all have with aging. You know, your, your body, your body parts start uh, giving out, mm-hmm. or, you know, challenging you. Um, you know, you don't feel as attractive as you used to. And so therefore you don't go out, you don't interact with people some more, but I just think sometimes having HIV exacerbates some of these issues mm-hmm. a little more. Well, Dennis Lemming, thank you again for your time, for your perspective, for sharing all of this with us, including this notion of hope, because um, you certainly are leaving us with that. We're grateful for all that you're doing on behalf of this community, and um, we would love to talk to you again. You uh, are an inspiration, but I think the information is wonderful to share. And so thank you again for all you're doing and for being part of the show today. 
They're so welcome. It's my pleasure. And I said, if people, if they take one thing, only one thing away from listening to this is that there is hope out there. And keep it up. My thanks to Dennis Fleming for his candor and his willingness to share his story today with all of us. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Be well. If you haven't yet, get your booster and politely persuade others to get their vaccinations as well. We all need to be healthy. Remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.